0: Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. And uh, I, I wouldn't call us control freaks, but we, we like a good plan. We, we really do. We like a good framework. A, a quick example is when we have a day off together. About one day a week, we try to have a, a day off together and and We're kind of protective about it. We want to approach this day with intentionality. And uh, we we have learned over the years that we don't want to work, 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 and then just stumble into this day off together with no idea of how it's supposed to feel, what we're doing. Um, We we do not like the feeling of being directionless. Directionless. And so if the plan is to just veg out all day, then that's the plan. We have a direction to do nothing. Uh, but we, we do not like the feeling of being directionless. And I think most of us would agree that it's good to have a little plan. It's good to have a little vision in your life. And so today we are considering this invitation that God has for us. God invites us to make plans, but specifically, God invites us to have God-centered plans, God-centered planning, and you know what? We could even parse that out to God-centered investments, God-centered stewardship, and and other things like that. So yes, we are in James chapter 4 today. Uh, If if you're not already there, grab your Bibles, turn to James chapter 4, 13 to 17. Uh, In the New Testament, uh, you'll most likely find the book of Hebrews first. It's a larger book. It's a bigger target. You'll probably find that first Little James is right after the book of Hebrews. Uh, James is actually a letter, and it brings challenge. I don't know if you've read James all the way through recently, but it's it's filled with a lot of challenging words. It, it can bring conviction, and also has a lot of practical instruction in this little letter. And so today we're going to zoom in in this little snippet that James has for us. And just to give you some background here, he has merchants in mind, the text that we're about to get in, into, this idea of, of merchants, you know, the, uh, the men and women who, who buy and, and sell and, and trade <laughs> goods, merchants. So James says, he says, now look here, you people who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade, and we'll make some money. All right, so these are the merchants plans and it sounds pretty simple all right let's go somewhere somehow we'll make money we'll spend a whole year there and that's that's the plan somewhere somehow let's go make money and at a glance there's nothing wrong with this there's nothing wrong with making money there's nothing wrong with the desire to make money of course there there is limits to that but but you know James he is going to drill down on something deeper here. He's going to give us more context. He says, you have no idea what the next day will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that is here. It, it appears for a little while. And then it vanishes. It, it. it disappears. It disappears. What James is, is saying is, is, he is he is really going after the attitude of self-certainty. Self-certainty. It's the attitude of the smug. It's the attitude that, that you are just so confident that, that, that you are going to have your way. No matter what. I think of the arrogant fiancé in the film Titanic. His name was Cal. Right? Nobody likes Cal. All right? If, if somebody does like Cal, you'll have to talk to me. Uh, that, that's a heart issue. Like, like, Cal is not the hero in the movie Titanic, right? He's arrogant. And I believe he even has this line he's like, a real man makes his own luck. Right? You know what? Cal and everybody else, nobody knows that the Titanic is going to sink. Nobody knows that. Nobody can see tomorrow, and, and James he, he says you you have no idea what the next day will bring. What is your life from the perspective of e- eternity? Life is short. It's 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 a mist. It's a, it's a vapor. It's 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 transitory. It, it just moves quickly. You may have heard my, my joke before. It's, it's not original. I got it from somewhere. But life is like a, a roll of toilet paper. You know, the the closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. Life moves quickly. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your pride. All such boasting is evil. So then, if anyone knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it, it becomes a sin for them. I think this is what James is drilling down on. It's it's this negligence of trusting in God. When we we fail to trust in God, we we come up with these elaborate plans. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And all these plans, and, and we, we, we might, you know, we're, we're moving schedules around, we're, we're coordinating money and resources and things like that. We come up with these big, fancy plans, and God is so far away from those plans. And so when God is absent from our planning, there seems to be this trajectory here, okay? We start making plans without God, and if we do that long enough, when God is absent from our plans, then we start to bend towards pride. And then pride kind of builds up, then we just become arrogance, which is like pride on steroids, and then we start boasting. Alright, in other words, we, we get so full of ourselves and our godless plans and, and and we're just we're just so confident that we are going to own tomorrow. We are so confident we are boasting in the uncertainty of tomorrow. And you know what? James calls this evil. It's no good. And then verse 17 there, it, it's kind of like this abrasive punch. You know, but now that you know what is right, do it. God wants to be a part of our plans, so the invitation this morning is to condition our plans with with God in the in the center of it. God is the one who holds tomorrow. Okay, and the right thing to do is not write God out of our plans. Don't be presumptuous that tomorrow is going to come for you. Don't be presumptuous that you are just going to own tomorrow. You're just going to destroy it. Right? That that, that arrogance, that, that, that confidence, that godless confidence. So instead, God invites us. He wants to be at the center. The center of our planning. And again, we could parse that out to to you know investments stewardship other things we have going on in our life god wants to be at the center so i see this this kind of swing we have a gully here on one side we have almost like a like a lack of planning all right and and when we make no plans we drift there's there's laziness the old uh, vice called sloth right laziness and apathy and and you know what if, if we just we don't dream we don't make any plans there is just lack of everything i mean really we start to die that leads to, to death on the other side of this pendulum swing on the other side of this gully and this gutter here is is almost like too much planning when we have an excess of, of planning all these plans without god and, and again that leads to pride and arrogance and we we begin to to boast all these plans we're gonna we're gonna be so successful we're gonna make so much money we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and all that is nuanced with we're making these plans and god is so far from those plans and as James is is nuancing here, what James is really pointing to it's these these it's it's the attitude of the arrogant, an arrogant person. It, it's a person where their their self worth is just so high. They they see themselves as superior. They are a walking god on this planet, and they have this unhealthy attitude of self certainty. And again, James is like, you have no idea what tomorrow brings. You have no idea. What is your life? The Bible has some arrogant characters. I think of David's third son, Absalom. All right, just a, a quick evaluation of, of Absalom. Uh, he, he looked kingly. People liked him. He had good charisma he had good looks. He, he, we're actually told he had big, luscious hair. Any ladies in here like a man with good, full cool hair? <laughs> any, any ladies want to, you know, just, just uh, he had big, luscious hair. It even says, you know, at, at some point he, he has to get a haircut. And it weighs, a, his hair weighs about five pounds. The Bible says that. Right, he was a good-looking guy. He had charisma. like He checks so many of the boxes. He is kingly material. But here's the, here's the deal. He had poor character. Absalom, he declared himself king. right? He's the third, third-born son. He declared himself king. He made plans. He slept with the palace concubines out in public. His arrogance and his his prideful ambition led him to... He's listening to the wrong advice, and he's just consistently listening to that bad advice. And, and again, he makes more plans. Bad, like the rotten kind of ambition is taking over. That arrogance is taking over. His pride, his arrogance, it leads him to rebellion, rebellion against his father, David. And he... He attacks his father's troops. And I'll leave you hanging there. You can check out 2 Samuel 18 and 19 to find out what happens to Absalom. But his plans of self-promotion, his, his arrogance, his attitude that he's going to own tomorrow, that he's going to be king, that he's going he's to do this and he's going to do that, all of that self-certainty, it got him nowhere. And it ends It ends with a a, a sad ending for him It didn't have to be that way So let's take a couple steps back And just kind of Let's talk about planning again Any positive examples of, of planning Well one let's start with God God is a planner We look at the story of creation You know God God creates And he organizes we don't see a god of, of chaos in the Genesis story, and the redemption story. The same thing, like the redemption story, is not random. Like God making a way for salvation, and and there's there's plans. I mean, the reason why biblical prophecy works is, be- god, is because God is a planner. God is the one who sees tomorrow. He's organizing. He's working. He's moving behind the scenes. Again, the story of redemption is not random. Jesus didn't walk into Bethlehem in the the stable. Like, just randomly. He didn't just randomly show up someday. Like, that's... No, we see a God of planning. Joseph was a planner. He led Egypt through seven years of really tough famine. With a God-given vision, he... He just packed storehouse after storehouse after storehouse full of of grain. Nehemiah was a planner. God placed it upon his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and he carefully obsessed. Uh, uh, obsessed. He carefully observed and assessed the broken walls, and when he he did all of that. Then he made some plans to rebuild Jerusalem. And here's the thing. We we can plan, but we're not entitled to tomorrow. This is what James is is telling us today, what God is telling us today. We are not not entitled to tomorrow. And so when we talk about planning, when we talk about investments and stewardship, we want all of it to be God-centered. He is the one who holds tomorrow. God invites us to plan. And he says, but but, but, trust me. Do it in a framework of, of trust. And I've actually found, I believe there's a little bit of God irony here because it's, it's almost like as, as we trust God more and more, we actually find out that God is the one who has trusts us first. God entrusts us. We're, we're entrusted with our bodies. We, we, have, we have energy, we have skills, we have gifts, our words that, that we can use to, to speak life, our intelligence. We're not entitled to our bodies. Like God has given us a body. Our resources, our our our, our money, our, our tools, our equipment. Our minivan. If you have a swimming pool, You're like like God has entrusted you with that, that pool. <laughs> We're entrusted with, with this church, this church building, our, our families, our communities. We could go on like, land, water, like God actually trusts us. We're entrusted with all of these with all of these things. So I have three applicable applications for us today. Certainly there's, there's more to, to talk about this, about making plans and, and uh, t- taking a survey of all these things that God, that God has given us and how we, how we can use them wisely and how we can give our, ourselves away, give our, give our stuff away, how we, how we can make investments and how we can make good plans and be good stewards. I have three applicable reflections here. And it's counting the cost, it's committing things to God, and it's also just paying attention to timing. From Luke chapter 14, the context is discipleship, and it certainly applies here. Jesus tells us to count the cost. Ground your plans in God and figure out the cost. Calculate it. In Hollywood, it is a legacy stain if a movie goes way over budget. And, like, the internet is so unforgiving. It, it, you know, they, you, like, that is a, a curse. If a, if a movie goes over budget, it's, like, known forever. You'll never get away from that. Like, like uh, Cleopatra, Apocalypse Now, Waterworld, The Lone Ranger, the animated movie Tangled. These are movies that, that went way over budget. It's ridiculous to, to start something and you realize that you actually have no means to, to get it accomplished, to finish it. So yes, a disciple, a disciple who has, who has wisdom, who is counting the cost as you make God-centered plans, as you aim to be good stewards with your plans, As you aim to be good stewards of where God has planted you right now, count the cost of what it means to be faithful and successful. And I would argue, to be faithful is to be successful. As you make God-centered plans, commit what you do to the Lord. Count the cost and then commit it to the Lord. That's Scripture. That's Proverbs 16.3. Trust as if everything depends on Him, and work as if everything depended on you. Commit what you do to the Lord. And so think about what plans you have right now, what projects you might have going on right now. Have you committed them to the Lord? Maybe you're thinking about putting up some Christmas decorations. I know it's a little early for some of you, but you're making plans. Okay, where's the tree going to go this year? Where are we are going to hang lights? Like, what, what is this going to look like? You're making some plans, but, like, still invite God into that process. Be grateful in the whole celebration, right? Like, like, put God into those, those activities. Commit what you do to the Lord. And as you make God-centered plans, figure out the cost. Commit what you do to the Lord. And then also pay attention to the seasons. Pay attention to timing. Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under the sun. Timing is important. Rhythm is important. And you know what? A God-centered plan, it will unfold in his time. And again, we're, we're invited to trust God in his timing. In our, in our bedroom, we have, um, it, it may have come from Hobby Lobby or, or something like that. It, it's a piece of, of art and it says, God's timing is perfect. Now, I could just kind of look at that and treat it as like Hobby Lobby Christianity. And it's like, okay, that makes me feel good. But no, no, like that's, that's theology. That, that is practical, like wisdom. God's timing is perfect. Trust in the one who holds tomorrow. Trust in his timing. Make God-centered plans. Lay them, lay them out before the Lord and trust that they will unfold in his timing. As you plan, ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, is there any is there any rhythms off right now? Is there any is there any rhythms that are out of out of sync? Are you out of sorts right now? Paying attention to rhythms is important because I mean even just taking examples from agriculture, grape vines and apple trees, you know, like it it really hurts to grow when it's the season of of pruning. It's really hard to bear fruit when you're in the dormant winter season. We need to pay attention to these rhythms, the rhythms of our life. It's easier said than done, but pay attention to what the Lord is saying to you right now in this season of life. What is God saying to you right now? You might not like the season you're in right now. And wherever it came from, they they say, this too shall pass. This season won't last forever. Another season will come. But what are we doing right now? Lord, what are you saying to me right now in this season of life? Maybe you can have some God centered plans that won't be executed now, but maybe for the next season, for whatever is around the corner. And again, we, we invite God into all of this. We we ground our plans, our vision in God. Life is short, and life is way too good to be directionless. So let's let's go to the Lord. Let's let's talk to Jesus. He's our friend. He's our good friend. And let's let's trust him with our plans. Let's pray.